0: Hello, and welcome to Not Your Mother's Library, a reader's advisory podcast by the Oak Creek Public Library. You're listening to another mini episode brought to you from Leah's living room. I'm sure we're all pretty bummed about the stay at home order being extended, but safety first, I guess. I wanted to talk today about some of my favorite TV shows. Some of them are amazing, and some are classified firmly as guilty pleasures. I'm also not mentioning one that might be a future episode with me and Rachel. First, Doctor Who. I have to admit, I prefer New Who to the classic, and I'm falling ever so out of love with the latest episodes. Don't worry, won't give any spoilers out there for folks who aren't caught up yet. Let's just say I have a few on my DVR that I'm not in any hurry to get to, when in the past, it'd be the first thing that I'd watch. Now this show has been around for over 50 years but let me explain some of the main concepts just in case you're not familiar. Our main character, the Doctor, is an alien from the planet Gallifrey. He has two hearts and can regenerate or turn into a different person 12 times throughout his life. People from his planet are called Time Lords and they can live for a really long time. Now It's believed that most of the Time Lords were wiped out by their enemy, the Daleks, in the Great Time War. And hey, I'm not trying to get into too many twisty plot details, okay? (laughs) Anyways, the Time Lords can move through time and space in what's called a TARDIS. The Doctor's TARDIS is shaped like a police call box from England, because it was stuck that way in 1963. See. The TARDIS has a chameleon circuit, which is supposed to disguise the box as something common to the area as to not attract attention to it. But in 1963, it was broken. And thus we have the TARDIS shaped like a big blue police box. So the doctor is our main character, but he, or now she, always has different traveling companions. There have been many companions over the years, but I'd like to quickly highlight my favorite, Donna. She had the most heartbreaking story where she essentially saved the entire universe but can never know it. Her story was massively sad to me and to a lot of other people because all she ever dreamed of were incredible adventures and she had them but can never remember. I also really liked that she traveled with the doctor but it was totally platonic. Many other companions have fallen into the trap of falling in love with the doctor, and I never liked that. To me, it always implied that if a woman was in the presence of a charming and witty and adventurous man who was saving the day, that she had no choice but to fall in love. Why wouldn't it be believable that she could just admire him and cherish that friendship? My favorite character, though, is River Song. She is not a companion, but instead is this kick-butt woman who you ultimately find out is the doctor's wife. The only problem? They're both time travelers, so they crisscross each other's paths at different points in time. They each have a little journal where they keep notes of what they have done or haven't done yet. They also sort of have a heartbreaking story together. That's all I'm gonna say about Doctor Who. The next show that I wanna talk about has actually been a new discovery for me during this stay-at-home order. I'd heard about the show before, but just never watched it. It's a show called Schitt's Creek. It's a comedy and man, does it resonate with my sense of humor. I haven't finished all the episodes yet, but I sure will. The series chronicles the Rose family, Johnny and Moira being the parents, with David and Alexis as their grown kiddos. They used to be super duper rich and lost absolutely almost everything due to a swindly business manager. One of the things they were allowed to keep was the town of Schitt's Creek, which Johnny bought for David as a joke. The family ends up moving to the town and staying in a rundown motel, which is quite the come-down from their giant mansion. They have all the growing pains of figuring out everyday life without the benefit of staff and the safety bubble of money. In the beginning, it was very much a comedy of errors as they figured out how to live and function in small-town Schitt's Creek but what I really have enjoyed is seeing them not just live, but thrive in their new environment. You really see some character development, perhaps most in Dave and Alexis, and I found myself really cheering for them along the way. I can't wait to finish what's on Netflix, and I'll be eagerly awaiting the final sixth season to be available to watch on there. Next, a show that is really near and dear to my heart, Naked and Afraid. Now, I'm a real big fan of camping and hiking and getting out in nature, so it's not much of a leap to figure I might like a show like Naked and Afraid. I do want to clarify that I have absolutely no desire to tackle this challenge. The show consists of two survival experts that volunteer to leave all of their clothes behind, venture out into a rough wilderness area to try and survive. They get a bag, a map, and one personal item each. Otherwise, they're using their survival skills to live off the land. They need to find safe drinking water, forage for food, and make their own shelter. Oh, and I forgot to mention, survivalists are out in nature for 21 days, or at least they're trying to be out there for 21 days. They can tap out at any given time. There is a camera crew that follows them, and each participant also has kind of a diary cam that they can use when the crew isn't there. The crew has sort of a base camp nearby that they can live in relative comfort, at least compared to the survivalists. Perhaps the wilderness area that stresses me out the most, where survivalists can be dropped off, is in Africa. Shelter is super important there, and you can see the survivalists build BOMA shelters to protect themselves from lions. And with those diary cams, you can see lions prowling around the shelters at night. I cannot imagine being in that situation where there is a very dangerous predator so close to you and you have no way of protecting yourself other than maybe some fire and thorny branches, which is what the boma is made out of. In one episode, participants were warned that there were Known man-eater lions not very far away, and they needed to be even more on guard. But wherever they're dropped off, the survivalists are left at the mercy of the elements. I can't help but think how I would fare in direct sunlight for so long. I get burned at the drop of a hat, so I'm sure I'd be totally miserable. And being out in the rain? No thank you. I don't mind camping in the rain, but I want to be in a tent for that. One episode of the show features survivalists who were inserted deep into the Florida Everglades and they ended up having to be evacuated because of Hurricane Irma. Can you imagine being out in nature during any kind of even a hard thunderstorm, let alone the outer bands of a hurricane? I lived in Florida for a while and though I was lucky enough to not get caught in any hurricanes, I did encounter a tropical storm or two. They're really intense! I would never want to be out in them unprotected. When I was a kiddo, my grandma, my brother, and I were camping at Devil's Lake State Park. We were caught in a pretty bad thunderstorm that turned into a flash flood. Now, I was really young, so all I really remember about it was my brother waking me up in the middle of the night and carrying me out to the car, and my grandma, my brother, and I driving around trying to find some high ground somewhere. Um, and obviously, we found it. We're fine. But... I can't imagine, I can't imagine being out in the middle of the Everglades for that kind of a thunderstorm. Anyway, onto my guiltiest pleasure, 90 Day Fiance. This gem is aired on TLC and each season you get to have a peek into the relationship featuring an American citizen and their fiance from another country. Usually a season features four or five different relationships with varying levels of cringe. You can see the long-distance aspects, the all-too-brief visits, the proposals, and the countdown to the wedding. And the weddings. The whole premise of the show is based on the K-1 visa, or the fiancé visa, which allows the citizen to bring their fiancé to the U.S., where they must get married within 90 days. But, my friends, the show does not stop there. See, TLC realized they had struck gold and came up with the shows before the 90 days, where you get to see the long-distance relationship dating aspects, and 90-Day Fiance the other way. That one is where a U.S. citizen is leaving America to go and live with their partner in their home country. There's also 90-Day Fiance Happily Ever After, which documents the couple's lives after the marriage. But what's super fun is 90-Day Fiance Pillow Talk. In that show, you see people or couples from previous seasons who get together and watch the current episodes of that season of the show. You get to hear their commentary, and it's, it's pretty great. I think I started liking this show because I happened to know someone who went through the K-1 visa process and brought her now husband over from Norway. They had a super meet-cute moment on Facebook and were smitten with each other and started their long-distance relationship. I had hoped that the show might feature more genuine couples like my friend, and don't get me wrong, some of them are, but oh, so many of them are train wrecks waiting to happen. And I can't look away from the train wrecks. And that brings us to the end of this mini episode, featuring some of my favorite TV shows. All of them have plenty of seasons and episodes that you can watch if you're looking for a new show to binge on. They are all available on various online platforms to stream, although you would need to be subscribed to one of those platforms. I hope you guys enjoyed today's mini episode, and I'll make sure to list all the shows I mentioned today in our show notes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, happy binge watching. Bye!